Okay, hey, welcome to episode 50. I had the pleasure of interviewing Lee Shea McDonough. Love the way that name just rolls off the tongue. She has a business called Coach with Clarity. So she provides resources and help for life coaches, for healers. And so she really helps them really clarify the message and really helps them become better coaches and better healers. And so we talked a little bit about the psychology world. We talked a little bit about what it's like to be a coach and and what an ethical coach is. And so I found some really interesting finds out of this, and I hope you do too. Enjoy. So this is uh, this is actually episode fifty. Uh, this is the fiftieth episode. I am here. so excited. I know you're excited. So, I love it. I love how you're excited. <laughs> um, it was supposed to be with another guest, but we had. Um, I, why, why did I just like dumb it down there? Like I shouldn't have done that. We, we had. Uh, but you got show me. Canceled, and then <laughs> it got postponed, and so now Lee is our fiftieth guest. Woo! So I'm going to take this as if she was our planned fiftieth guest. There we go. And so, uh, so Lee has a business called Coach with Clarity. I'll let her get into that more. Uh, Lee is also a client of ours, and uh, we've enjoyed working with each other in the past. And so, um, funny side story: Lee has uh, my old office, actually, my old second office. Yes. So, so she... are you trying to clap? <laughs> it looked like you had muted yourself, Claire. I was gonna mute myself, but then I was thinking about it. What are you thinking about? <laughs> Just the say The fact it. that it's going to be so hard. <laughs> Talk and listen to myself on the headphones. Take the headphones off then. That's oh, an yeah. easy solution. Oh, yeah. That makes it so much better. <laughs> there we go. Because my brain is hearing two voices. No, I get it. And it is really getting to me. <laughs> so what are you trying to say? Um, I, thought I, didn't know, I did not know that Lee was in your old office at all. That's what I was going to say. Got it. I don't think everybody else did. <laughs> I'm dead. I can't. What is it? I'm, I'm just dead today. Okay. Anyway, what if I hear an echo? Because you hear me on the headphones. Got it. Okay. Uh, so Bye. Lee has my old office uh, over on uh, over on Pollock Street. I really like that office. It's a but great office. If you remember, I mean, obviously from your office there, it literally is the size of this welcome area. I think this welcome area is about ten more square feet. Like it's marginally bigger. It's just crazy to me to think that, like, my old place, like, because I feel like, I don't feel like I've run out of room here, but it just feels like it, this is an appropriate amount of space. Correct. Put it that way. And so I don't know how I did in the other place. I don't either. There is a... more furniture in here now, but Yeah, still. you've got a ton of gear, too. I don't know where you kept it all in that old space. Yeah, so that couch is the original couch there, except I put a new slipcover on it because it has, like, a hideous leopard print um, uh, underneath it, but... A lot of gear was stored behind the couch. So there was like a lot of stuff, like a lot of boxes. And so every time I go out for a shoot and have to pull the couch out, pull like whatever I needed out of there, it was kind of a mess. And then I had an L-shaped desk in the corner. So like if as soon as you walk in that corner to the left there, um, I had an L-shaped desk up against there, which actually butted up against this. I remember that, yeah. At the end of it was an L-shaped. And... um, um, there was a bunch of stuff stored underneath that as well. So I, I basically used all the little nooks and crannies that you couldn't see walking in. Like aesthetics are like a big deal for me. Like it just, if it looks cluttered, I won't be able to concentrate yep. because it is cluttered. But at the same time, I also won't go and clean it up and organize it. I'll just end up farting around doing other stuff. And so <laughs> therein lies the distracted I day. That. I feel that deeply. Yeah. And so 
so I just needed to have stuff. I, that, that's why I threw that thing there because I was just like, it's I can't see it. Gone. Yep. So it doesn't bother me right now. <laughs> I'll deal with it another day, <clears throat> two weeks from now. Right. Um. But anyway, so yeah, so Lee's in my old. I really like that. I mean, I still really like it. It's a really nice place. Um. Anyway, so uh, so Lee, tell us a little about the business that resides over on Pollock Street. Yes, I am the owner of Coach with Clarity, which is a training and education company for life and business coaches. So I do still work with a few one-on-one clients doing primarily business coaching. But I've really transitioned more into training. So I have a certification program that is accredited by the International Coaching Federation. And I also have a continuing education program for coaches who want to maintain their credential. So what's this, uh, what's the certification all about for coaches? Like where um, are you certifying them or are you kind of like certifying them via like another program kind of thing? Kind of a both and thing. So Mm -hmm. I run a six to seven month program. And because it's accredited by the International Coaching Federation, people Mm -hmm. who graduate from my program not only get my personal certification, they become a certified clarity coach, but they're also eligible to seek ICF's credential. So the associate certified coach, the professional certified coach. um, So it's kind of like a two for one. Hmm, Interesting. How big is this ICF? It has been around for decades, mm-hmm. um, thousands of members, thousands of credentialed coaches. It's it's the main professional organization for the coaching industry. Got it. I, I'm only asking because I'm just trying to figure out like, what kind of clout that brings along with it. And and, and, I, and I'm not trying to minimize it. I just, you hear a lot of like certifications around and stuff. So I'm yes. just, and so I believe that it's uh, like a, a highly accredited thing. I'm just trying to figure out like, because I'm not in the coaching business and I don't know. I don't really seek out coaching help in general. And so I'm just trying to figure out like, what is this in relation to? I think that's the right question to ask because there is no government regulation of the Mm -hmm. coaching industry. Anyone, well, no, I'm not, I don't, I don't disagree actually, (laughs) because I think if we put too many barriers to entry into a profession, then we keep really talented people out. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, anyone can be a coach. Anyone can hang a shingle and say, I'm coaching with no training, no experience. And then it's really on the consumer to do their own research about, does this person know what they're doing? Am I going to get a quality service? That's right. That's where getting credentialed through ICF can help Mm. because there is a code of ethics that we follow. Mm -hmm. There are standards and core competencies that we have to demonstrate our mastery in. So when you're working with a coach who is accredited by ICF, you know what you're getting. And so while it's not required, it's, it is helpful. And certainly, and I would say the corporate and executive spheres, ICF credentials are kind of the gold standard Mm. for working with a coach. Yeah, I suppose like if I was like browsing through someone's website or Instagram or something, and then there's some sort of like, I'm looking at three different coaches, you know, because I need help. And so then I see, uh, can you, can you just mute this TV really quick? I'm, I'm sorry to do this. Though. No worries. Just, uh, I feel like I can definitely hear an echo and I'm not sure if it's that or just something at headphones. Anyway, um. so yes, yeah, so if I'm browsing, I'm looking at a couple coaches and I see one of them says like, oh, like I'm ICF certified. Some people might not care about that, right? Some people are just going to kind of ignore it and they're blinded to it. They're going to go with someone because they like the way that thing looks or something. But if I am someone that's concerned and I at least see that, then maybe I'm a little curious. I'm kind of like, oh, what is an ICF certified person? And then maybe I spend 30 seconds just Googling. I'm kind of like, oh, okay, they've 
they've had some sort of continuing education, so it makes me feel more comfortable. That's yeah. kind of the way that I see that playing out. Um, I think you're right. I think it should be additive. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think really what should, the coaching relationship is the the vibe you know Mm -hmm. how connected do you feel to that person do you feel like they understand you your needs uh are they centering you in the conversation Mm -hmm. and then having that credential shows okay there is uh, an evidence-based approach that they're using when they're engaging with me right so it's it's important but i wouldn't say it's always required Mm -hmm. and really it's it's the relationship that matters most yeah i i would agree with you too um you know we talk about the um you use an illustration of just like anybody can kind of like slap their coaching name on there. That's basically with almost every online industry. I mean, pretty much whether it be coaching, web marketing, a logo designer, um, even photography now. I mean, just, I mean, people kind of pick up a camera and then I have a camera. So therefore I'm a photographer, you know? Yeah. And I, I, I don't even knock any of that stuff because everybody has to start with a baseline of, I have no experience. Yep. It just, it's just every single person has started with zero experience. No one was ever born knowing how to lead people through a life of fulfillment. You know, it's just how people have natural instincts, right? So they, you know, some people have natural inclinations to kind of understand how to cut through things. But, um, that's in the web, the web marketing business is, is like that. I mean, people are constantly just popping up everywhere of yeah. like, hey, we're a web marketing agency. Yes. I'm like, okay, great. Like, here's just like another. It's it's almost like a pop up, like, you know, like boutique, like that comes up for like three weeks, like, you know, for <laughs> yes. Christmas or something. It's like, oh, yeah. here's like a pop up show, you know. Um, but anyways, you know, so in the marketing space, there's certifications that kind of happen also. Sometimes I'm just kind of like, ow, like who kind of yeah. stuff. But I, I definitely see it from the ICF side because I'm, I'm thinking, you know, when people come to me, they're not always people come to me based on referral. Like, I mean, I would say almost 100 percent of my business is like referral or repeat, it's a repeat or referral based. Yeah. So it's like 50 50. Um, so I'm not really getting people that are kind of like, hey, I'm looking and I'm like looking between a couple people. Sometimes like I'm, I'm bidding out, but I generally avoid that anyways. I don't like to compete against people. Like you either like you're either in with me, you're not. I mean, it's just it's the way I'm just snobby like that. But anyways, my point with coaching though, I could kind of see that because I mean, your personal life is involved here. I mean, whatever you're whatever you're seeking coaching out for, it's more than just like I need like a couple more leads for my business. You know, yeah. Um, what kind of coaches do you work with actually? So because when I hear the word coaching, I feel like that's super broad. It is because people call me a coach sometimes for their business, like a coach, yes. you know? And yeah. so I imagine you're not working with business coaches or maybe you are, I don't know. It's so like, what, what is, who's your person? So I, I want to go back to what you said, because I think first off defining what a coach is, is important because there are different approaches to the field. And sometimes there are some wonderful consultants who use the coach name because people are like, oh, okay, I, I kind of understand what that is. Mm-hmm. A consultant's and they're going to evaluate what you're doing, whether it's in your business, your relationships, etc. They are going to pinpoint what's not working and maybe provide some possible solutions. Right. They're going to highlight what is working and help you create systems to maintain that. And then they're going to either, oftentimes they kind of hand it over for you to then follow up on, or sometimes they'll provide some some implementation support. Mm-hmm. Just to interrupt you. Yes. That is definitely where I feel like I fall into, 
people have given me like, oh, like, oh, like he coached me on this, whatever. And I'm just like, so I use it interchangeably sometimes just naturally and accidentally. But when I pitch these things, it's definitely more of like, hey, I'm like providing video consulting or providing like, you know, web strategy consulting or, or I'm also implementing it after. But generally it starts with just consulting and i feel like in a business world people understand consulting more than coaching yes but sorry to interrupt continue no no not at all not at all and i think actually a lot of coaches myself included have a bit of a hybrid approach where Mm. we occasionally we do pull in more of a, a consultant okay perspective but coaching at the heart is really about helping the client tap into their own inner wisdom, their own experience and expertise so that they can start Mm. generating some of their own opportunities and solutions. So it's not necessarily me coming in and saying, I think you should do this. It's Mm. asking questions and that's really at the heart of it. The art Mm. of asking powerful questions to help the client start making their own connections and to determine, okay, maybe I need to go in this direction or, oh, maybe this is something we need to explore. Got it. Uh, Consulting is showing um, is consulting is the equivalent of going out fishing with someone. So they almost kind of learn through like natural attrition and coaching is teaching them how to fish for themselves. Yeah, I maybe I don't know the teaching piece that that can be a little tricky too because mm. that's where that blended model comes in. Okay, that's where I think we've got the hybrid of the coach consultant. Yeah, because I do sometimes do some teaching, especially my certification programs. I'm right. very much which teaching. is what I do a lot. I, I end up doing a lot of teaching. Yes, yeah. but what I find when I'm taking more of a pure coaching approach is that people actually know what it is they need to do and they even know how to do it. For some reason, they're not. Interesting. And that's what I'm really interested in as a coach is figuring out what's, where are the blocks, either external or internal? Where are the blocks that are keeping you from taking action? You don't necessarily need me coming in and teaching you or telling you what to do. We need to uncover why you're not taking that action Mm. that's going to get you the results you want. So taking the illustration then, so refining it, so the hybrid model is the teaching a man how to fish the coaching is lighting the fire underneath that man because he already knows how to fish yeah but he's not feeding himself exactly so he's already been taught but now he just needs like listen you you need to eat so just go figure out how whatever's going to motivate you to go fish right now yes or what's keeping you from even getting out in the boat and fishing got it why are you not doing it interesting let's let's identify and so that's generally where the coach is so are you primarily working with like life coaches then? I work with both life and business. I'm very coaches. ignorant to a lot of it, a lot no, of that no, world. No. So that's why I'm asking. Yeah. And um, I mean, I feel like I've asked you before, but um, I, I still, a lot of this stuff is blended. You know, it's like life coaches and then psychologists. It's like, is a psychologist a life coach? Is Let's that the same talk thing? about that. And so, Let's talk about but, that. Right. So that's like, is that a common thing then? Is yes. that just me? Okay. It, All it, right. So I think that is one of the number one questions I get, which is okay. what is the difference between therapy and coaching? Do I need a therapist? Do I need a coach? Yeah. All right. And I happen to be both. So before I moved into coaching, I, well, I still am a licensed clinical social worker, though I'm not currently practicing. So as that's a psychology then. Mm-hmm. Got yes. it. Okay. So I was a therapist for about 15 years. Because a psychiatrist years. is different. Yes. That's a medical doctor. <laughs> psychiatrist. Psychiatrist is, is medicine. They are able to prescribe. But to these all sound same know, thing. They I all know. sound like this in the, it's not even a Venn diagram. It just sounds like it's the same circle. It is very confusing. <laughs> and then you have psychologists, you have clinical social workers, you have marriage and family therapists, you have professional counselors. There's a lot. But essentially what unites them is that they're approaching it through a mental health perspective. So okay. we're really looking at um, Who is? Sorry. Di- uh, all psychiatrists, psychologists, clinical social workers. We're really Got looking at where is the um, deficit mm-hmm. and 
what diagnosis do we have and how can we back to baseline and those are all licensed correct so you cannot you cannot uh be in that kind of practice unless you are licensed licensed or provisionally licensed with supervision yes. got it okay uh, and that's where regulation comes in because mm -hmm. in the state of north carolina and in pretty much all 50 states sure. there are government regulations that define who can provide that level of service because mm -hmm. they really want to protect the public and make sure right. we don't have people trying to do mental health therapy who aren't qualified to do right. so i kind of get that though because yeah. i mean some of the, i mean like you know i deal with like a, a small amount of anxiety but not nothing chronic or whatever you know and i mean i've, I've I've gone to, um, I don't know, I, I guess you can call it therapist, whatever, you know, just like in high moments of anxiety, like might be like a session here or two. Yes. Just basically just to blurt stuff out and just like get stuff off my chest instead of, you know, dealing with an unhealthy way. Right. Exactly. And so, um, um, but that's me. Like, that's a very like, not to minimize, but it's like a very mild case of mental health awareness. But there are people that have like very serious mental health issues. And so I, I get the regulation side of that. You know, yes. you don't want to be instructing someone to do something and then they take it the wrong way because you think that's, you know, you're just on a different path, I guess. So I completely get yes. that. Yes, And we're know? talking about life and death matters too, right. oftentimes with that's mental right. health. That's right, yeah. So we do want to make sure that people who are suffering and who are at risk of, of suicide or self-harm, that they are receiving the care they need from people who are trained and licensed to do so. Right. And that does not fall under the auspices of coaching. So I want to make that really clear. Right. Um, what coaching can do, though... And when we serve yeah. coaching, just again, just because I, I like super clarity... When you say coaching, you're talking about the life coaches now, right? Yes? Or, or well, just coaching in general? I'm kind of talking about coaching in general. But life coaches fall under the coaching. They do. Got it. Okay. They do. So I'm really clear when I, when I teach my students, when I'm working with my members and my clients, we talk about, okay, when is someone maybe a better fit for therapy? How do we make those referrals? And when is coaching? Okay. indicated and and there there's overlap and i have clients who work with me as a coach and also have a therapist so you can do both um but what i would say generally speaking is that when i was working as a therapist my role was to help people get back to baseline they wanted to feel like themselves again yep. they wanted some relief from whatever symptoms they were experiencing and so that was kind of how we worked together as a coach, I'm working with people who typically are already at baseline and mm. they're they're looking to optimize. Hmm. They're looking to improve the solid relationship they already have. They're looking to grow their business. They're looking to just feel more personally fulfilled. Hmm. And so that I think can be kind of a helpful way to frame it. Hmm. And the tricky part is and if they're on a different step in that ladder. Yeah. Actually it might not even be a step because it might not even be because that also might indicate that someone is like at a lower point in their life too. Exactly. It's sort of just like they're just kind of like in a different... They're in a different phase. Just in a different phase. Yeah. And and that's the thing about life is we can go back and forth. There mm -hmm. have been times in my life where I've benefited from working with a therapist mm -hmm. and then I'm good for a while and then, oh, maybe I need to go back to therapy and, oh, now it's time for coaching. And so right. it's not that one is better or worse than another. It's just what's going to be the best modality to serve you at this point in time. Mm. And... I do want to acknowledge there's some overlap between the two professions because we're both concerned with helping people. We want them to achieve their goals. We ask powerful questions to do that. But what I would say is there's there's some nuance there in the approaches we use and also who it is we're serving that, right. that separate the two. Mm -hmm. And what their concern is why they came to you. Yes. If they come to you because they're like suffering from like anxiety that's keeping them up at night, 
coaching is probably not going to help them is kind of what we're saying here. That's exactly right. Even we though they, might have, they actually might have come to a coach thinking that like, oh, I need a coach to kind of help me through this. Yes. We and- want to look at severity. We want to look at duration. You know, if this is someone who is having some... Uh, I want to say typical anxiety, because as entrepreneurs, as business owners, we're going to have anxiety about our business from time to time. That's understandable. That's not necessarily um, a clinical issue. Google Drive is causing me a lot of anxiety right now. (laughs) Yes, as it should, because you're having a normal reaction to an abnormal or distressing situation. Right. I hopefully it's not going to keep you up more than a couple nights. You know, it's not uh, necessarily keeping you from your day-to-day activities or keeping you from connecting with your partner, your friends, that sort of thing. When we start seeing um, it interfering with your ability to really live your hmm. life the way you want to, that's where I'm going to suggest someone maybe explores the therapy route. Got it. So, yeah. and do you find that? Um, so this is this is really fascinating. So do so you does fi- this mean? That Lee makes, you know, referrals out. Would that be Lee does that make referrals out? Yes. Into? Is that something you train coaches on at some point? That is a fantastic it question. Yes. Like you have to figure out a way to figure out the boundary of okay, when do we seek additional things? That's kind of what it sounded like you were going into. You're exactly <laughs> right, and that's part of ethical coaching practice, and part of the reason why I am accredited through ICF and have my credential because they have a code of ethics that we follow. There's also information on how and when to refer someone to therapy. Mm -hmm. And that's not something that someone may innately know who's just like, Hey, I'm going to be a coach. Um, we want to be really clear about where our boundaries are and then how to go about making a referral in such a way that still centers the client and doesn't mandate and, and it becomes more right. of a conversation and a right. partnership. Right, so it was passing off, right. Exactly. Yeah, except that was actually going to be my next question. Um, it was very similar to what Claire was asking, though, is I imagine that there's probably a fair amount of coaches that aren't accredited um, or maybe they – or just generally just haven't gone through the proper training and probably take on a case like that of severe anxiety – and there's someone that's just kind of like, yeah, like I'm a positive person. I can help them through this. Yeah. I can coach them through this. Or, oh, I've had anxiety before, so I can help you too. That's right. So so that happens a lot. It's yes, kind of what does. you're saying then. Yes. And then that's a sort of like a really, I guess you can almost like it's a pretty dangerous route to go because then Could that be. severe anxiety is not being treated. In which case, what you're saying, the ancillary effects of that are they're disconnecting from work, disconnecting from them. They're, they're disconnecting from life in general is kind of what's happening there. Got it. Yeah. Um, and so then someone that is accredited or whether ICF or just in general has had some training, what you're indicating is that they're trained to like, look at these like little things that someone's telling them, like maybe, maybe I go to my coach one day, let's just say as an example, like I I have a, a, you know, life coaching or, you know, some sort of, some sort of coach. And I go to them one day and I'm talking about this Google drive incident and we're just kind of laughing it off. It's just a passing anxiety for the day. Yes. That's me. There could be another person. What we're almost saying is that this little thing is like a trigger for them and happens to them constantly. Yes. And so they're coming to that person constantly with all of these anxiety triggers that are stopping them from living their life in general. And it's not just Google Drive. To, you know, Next week, it's like these other things that have come up, which are really small things, but are like debilitating them. And then that coach is not picking up on that trigger saying, hey, this is a little more than just kicking the butt. Right. 
they really need some other help to get them through this. Yes. So that's kind of what we're dealing with. That's basically the bigger yeah, picture I, of what we're dealing with. I think that's a great summary. Or, or they're not seeing the patterns that come up. So the trigger right. itself may be different, but the the response is pretty typical. Right. And, and it's it's in the clinical world, it's what we would call dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. It is not helping them function. Got it. And so I don't mean to say that every single ICF coach is amazing. Sure. No, not every therapist is amazing either, right? But for the most part, we know that when you've either training program or you've worked with a mentor coach or you've had some level of supervision, ideally you will have talked about these things so that you know, okay, what are some signs that I need to look for that indicates that maybe this person needs help either in addition to or instead of me as a mm. coach? That's Yeah, I mean, I just find this. I actually really find the psychology world kind of fascinating. Um, not all of it, but I... I I just find it really interesting what gets people to tick. Like yeah. what, like why this is an extreme example. This is really extreme. It's gonna, have you seen the Netflix show? Like don't F with the cats. The I, cat um, I have not watched it, but I've read enough articles about it that I'm familiar with the, okay. Um, I've only watched the first episode okay. of three. I couldn't actually watch it past that. Like it just, it's really, really and that's disturbing. why I haven't watched it. It's, it's, it's <laughs> utterly disturbing. Yeah. Um, and then I caught a glimpse of what was going to happen in the second, uh, you know, episode. And I was like, all right, I really cannot. That just, that would really, that would actually probably cause like a nightmare. Yeah. Um, and so then I just kind of read, I was like, oh, like what's the rest of the story? And I'm like, even just reading, it was like, yeah, I "I don't need that in my psyche. But the person that's, you know, the person that's at at the heart of that, I'm just like, what causes that person in their mind? Like. Like, this is the part that's fascinating to me is like, are they born like that? Or is it like a traumatic thing that happened to them when they were eight or 12? Like, what caused, I mean, because that is, you cannot go to a person and say that's a normal behavior by any, like, that is so far from the baseline of normal. Yes. You know, like, uh, someone overeating to, to cope with, you know, their anxiety. While that's abnormal, that's like a little understandable. You know what I mean? Like someone's kind of like, all right, I just need like a donut and, you know, or maybe I need to have three bourbons today. Again, it's not healthy, but it's like, it's like understandable. Yes, we can contextualize it's it. understandable it unhealthy behavior, I yes. guess is kind of the point of it. Yeah. But the stuff that he does, or like if you even go back to like the Dahmers and all that kind of stuff, you just think of like all these, like the really, I guess, is it psychopathic? Is that the, you know, you just look at that. I think like psychopath, like really interests me, I guess is kind of, yeah. kind of the point of it. It's like, what? What goes on in their mind? Like, why is their mind ticking differently? Like, how does that even happen? Because it's just so un- uh, unknown. I don't yeah. know, but maybe you have insight on it, I guess. No, I just think, well, the people I know who've gone into forensic psychology are very intrigued by that type of human behavior. When I think back to why I became a therapist, uh, you know. In Which is high- going to be a question coming up. So, yeah, so, so yeah, so, yeah, so tell me. <laughs> uh, it was not the psychopathy that really kind of attracted me, but I was super into personality theory. Hmm. Even from like age 13, 14, oh. uh, my grandmother introduced me to the Enneagram, which is uh, it's really actually kind of gotten much more popular in the last five or 10 years or so in terms of like a personality typology system. Yeah. There's Myers-Briggs. There's there's all sorts of ones. And when I was in high school, I got really interested. Wow. In I just wanted to understand why people were the way they were, why they thought the way they did, and huh. why people did it differently than I did. Hmm. And so personality theory is really what got me into psychology. 
why I became a therapist. Yeah. Ultimately, I think it's also why I became a coach, but I was approaching it from a different perspective. Sure. Less the diagnostic and treatment perspective and more the optimization right. piece. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, because I think actually I put a post out one day about um, – I'm not sure which personality assessment it was, but I had I had mentioned that was like a ESDJR. That would be or the like Myers Briggs. That. That's the Myers Briggs. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So it was like entertainer, entertainer or something. It's basically the also the equivalent of like a Type A. Like you know, just I mean, pretty much any time I've ever done a personality test, all leads to a similar profile. You know, yeah. it was really interesting though, like because I had my wife do hers, and it was like we were reading like what the common traits. Was. It was like airy scary spooky right how accurately depicted the both of us and i was like oh because that was probably the most accurate profile you know because again if you, th- if you think of like the type a versus b pairs personalities yeah. like those are very broad yeah but yeah that myers-briggs one was just so like i kept reading i'm like oh my god yeah yeah no yeah that's so yep oh yep yeah sentence yep that one's me yep that one's me yep that one's me and i'm like wow yeah i'm like Oh, okay. All right. Uh, maybe I am a little narcissistic. I don't know. You know, just <laughs> it was just so like it just was so odd. And then reading hers is like, oh wow, okay. And then, and then it was funny because um, one of the things was like especially the opposite of her profile. I forget what it was, but basically, you know, like the entertainer just likes to take credit for things, and whatever her personality was like really strives for credit. And the thing is, like, I don't. So sometimes I'm probably not even doing it like on purpose. I don't. I don't really want the credit. I'm just kind of like just talking about it, I guess. And so then we're looking at times we're like, oh my god, like that really has like happened a bunch of times. Like you really were working hard on this thing, and I really didn't acknowledge it at all. And somehow or another, just it all just got traveled over to me. And so those like the profile things were like, like she's probably watching right now. She's probably laughing right now. (laughs) But I mean, it just, it really was very oddly accurate. And that's why I love them. And, and I want to address a common criticism of them too, which is that it pigeonholes people or it dictates. Mm. And you almost feel like everything you do now has to, has to work inside that profile. Right. Hmm. And, and I think that's a valid criticism, especially when people are using it to say, oh, well, you're an ISTJ, so I know everything about you. Right. Well, no, you don't because I'm still a human being. Right, right. Um, and I'm an ENFJ. Right, I can change a little. Exactly. Sure. <laughs> so when, when we allow them... I don't have them, to always be a psychopath. No. <laughs> you can change, Brad. You can change. No, but when we, um, when we use those tools in that way, then yeah, that is problematic. When we use them to deepen our own process of self-inquiry, to better understand the people in our lives that we care about, mm-hmm. when we use it as a springboard and not as a prescription, I think they can be really helpful. Yeah, actually, you want to know what? Um, you're you're definitely right there because as I was reading through one of those, one of the things that indicated was um, because I mean I am very outgoing. So, I mean I'm definitely you know entertainer where you know the point is I just I don't necessarily have to like entertain people, but I just like to be having fun, and I just it's almost like I'm always like why aren't you like having fun right now? You know, it's yeah. like it's so odd to me. Um, but one of the things is entertainers will often. Very much like speak first, think later kind of thing. And that's like, I can't tell you how many times that has like, I mean, on a weekly basis, like it bites me in the butt. But I'm definitely much more self-aware of that now. Like I I actually can remember um, we were, I was actually at a client meeting with a a few people and someone had, someone had said something, I mean, without getting too much into it. But in my mind, I was like, oh, this would be kind of like a funny, like snarky joke. And then I, as people were talking, like I kind of stopped and I was like, actually, I'm like. 
it would be kind of funny, but I know someone here is definitely going to take that the wrong way. Yeah. And so that that moment there has happened more than a few times. So I would say like that's probably been the best outcome for me. Now I don't always do it, but I definitely do it much more than I have before. I'm like, you know, it just it's it's probably not the right it, the the time the delivery is right, but the timing is wrong. See, and if a tool like a personality <laughs> assessment helped with that level of personal awareness and then decision making, then awesome then it works for you right right and 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 what you're saying is the antithesis of that is that a lot of people kind of go they're just like oh i am the way i am because of this personality assessment has now molded me into this thing that i can never break free from which probably actually i guess for some people that's probably even worse than it's probably they were probably already dealing with that kind of you know issue and then it's just like pigeonholing them even more so yeah um, what did you do before you, so, I mean, in high school, you were really interested in all this personality stuff, but what did you do before you became licensed and a coach and all yes. that stuff? And well, so I was a theater and psychology major in okay. college. Um, I grew up doing a lot of community theater and so you went to school, you, you, you kind of wanted this to be, you wanted in your career path, something to do with psychology then. Yes, I I did. I I always kind of knew that that's where I was headed. I mean, I had aspirations of being, you know, a theatrical star. But um, at the end of the day, I realized, no, I'm really drawn to helping people. Mm -hmm. That was really my primary motivation. And so um, I worked a couple crappy jobs after college enough to say, okay, yeah, I don't want to be doing this anymore. (laughs) Uh, What was the crappiest of them all? um, Well, mm, okay, I think I can talk about this. I was the business manager. Just throw, just, just throw on the light, Claire. <laughs> Interesting that the um, <laughs> right out. as I'm about to get into my worst job, the lights it's, go it out. It should have been when it turned on. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I was a business manager for an apartment community. And um, most of my colleagues were on cocaine. And Ooh. yeah, and it was a very toxic work environment. And the corporate headquarters... It just wasn't great. It was enough for me to get a glimpse into what corporate life could be like. Sure. Not all corporations are like that, I guess. Sure. But I was like, I do not need to be here. Yeah. And I was seeing enough um, dysfunctional behavior, and I was like, hmm, hmm I don't want to work with you, but I, it would be really interesting to know how I would work with oh. someone dealing with that. Maybe I really do want to. Interesting. Head back right. Into so you psychology. were surrounded by a, almost like it sounds like a lot of like toxic behavior. Yeah. And so you're just so you, you it kind of like reignited your idea to kind of help people through that I guess mm-hmm. you know yes uh, interesting yeah. yeah so then uh, so how long after college did you get into into your current profession I yes. guess so I took a, a year off mm-hmm. um, after I graduated from college worked all those crappy jobs went back to school and did a dual degree program with social work and public health and um, then after that. I got married right before I started um, my grad school experience, and my husband was in the Air Force. So after graduation, we took off. We went to San Antonio for his first duty assignment, and that's where I started um, really actually getting into military social work. I did an internship there. Later on in my career, when we lived in Germany, I would be a military social worker, and then I had more of an administrative role. But with a beautiful thing about... um, being a social worker was that I was able to 
like try out a lot of different types of helping professions. Mm. There was military social work. I was a social worker in a neonatal intensive care unit in a hospital, which hmm. I loved. I did inpatient psych. I did outpatient psych. I, I really got to no, try a lot No social work, you have to be things. licensed for that also then? Um, in order to provide therapy, yes. Got it. Okay. Um, there are certain jobs for which either you don't need a license or you don't need an independent clinical license mm-hmm. to be a therapist. Because you, you are providing some sort of therapeutic care yes. to that person. Right. Got yes. it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, you know, geez, I, I think I just kind of realized like we've been talking so much about the coaching business and the and the good and the bad of it. I don't think we actually talked about how you actually help coaches, <laughs> how you help them gain clarity. <laughs> well, <you're there>. Yes. <laughs> um, so how do you help coaches gain clarity besides becoming a credit? Like what does all this look like? Yes. So that's what's really interesting when I'm when I'm teaching when I'm actually mm-hmm. doing the certification program the initial instinct of a lot of my students is to just tell me what to do like how do I do this mm. and so I believe in meeting people where they're at mm-hmm. so we start by providing some basics like okay here's how you structure a session here are you know what you want to consider when you're creating questions to really get to the heart mm. of something so we kind of talk about the how and then we move into kind of some deeper work, which is more about, all right, you've got all this external knowledge now that we've talked about. How do we marry that with what you bring to the table? Because mm. each and every person has their own inner wisdom, their own personal experiences that right. can work beautifully. Where they illustrate things. Like I illustrate things differently than someone else might. Absolutely. Sure. Some people are yeah. more metaphorical. Some are more analytical. Right. And so that's what I'm really interested in. It's not, here's a cookie cutter way to be a coach. Mm-hmm. Here's every checklist you ever need. Here's mm-hmm. a list of 200 questions. Pick your favorite. At some point, it has to become internalized. And I think the best way to do that is to allow that external knowledge to kind of reflect back in. And then it's, all right, what what about me makes me a powerful coach? Mm. How do I build relationships with people? What's what's my secret sauce? And how can I anchor my work from that and have it be in alignment with, you know, core competencies and ethical coaching behavior? Right. And so it really becomes a marriage of, yes, there's learning, but there's also the application that comes from connecting with, with your own internal experience. Yeah. So you're almost like providing a framework and then you're, Pretty much for every coach, you're kind of in- helping them individualize it for themselves. Yes. You're not, you're not necessarily individualizing it, but you're almost kind of teaching them how to then individualize that framework. Yes. But the framework is generally the same for everyone. And it's, it's a flexible framework mm-hmm. so that it's meant to help create the container in which the coaching experience can happen. But there's a lot of room within that for, for play mm. and, and to make it your own. And one of the ways that I do that is both there's kind of super, I call them labs. It's coaching labs where my students will be coaching each other. I'll be observing, providing okay. some feedback. Then there's also peer coaching where they coach a fellow student and then they are coached by another student. Mm-hmm. And I observe those sessions and I provide feedback. And the feedback that I provide, some of it is on, okay, here, here's how we typically structure a session. Here's what you did right. Here's where it went off the rails. But then a lot of it too is, I noticed this about you. You are particularly adept at this particular thing. Hmm. How can you bring that more into your coaching experience? Hmm. Um, and then when I'm doing individual supervision, I always start not by giving them my impressions, but asking them to reflect on what did you notice about that session? Mm. What did you feel like worked really well? Where did you have questions? What felt uncomfortable? Mm. So again, I'm allowing them to lead and then I'm following up with mm-hmm. it. Interesting. Um, and so so now that's the, 
I guess that's almost like the coaching. It's like the coach for coaches, you know? Yes. Um, so I, I noticed in one of your posts on Coach with Clarity, you talked about how you kind of like are changing up your whole system or maybe I'm <laughs> reading that wrong. No, 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 no. Okay. So um, I guess just kind of explain to me like, if someone says, Hey, like, yeah, like I'm a coach and I really want to, cause you're, you're online here. So I mean, you work with people all over the, the U S here. Yeah. I do. So what are they kind of getting when they get into the coach with clarity program besides that group coaching that we just talked about? Cause I, I, I imagine there must be other things. I know you have a Facebook group, but um, like what's available to them, I guess yes. is kind of the point. I have a couple different, um, uh, ways to work with me. Uh, one is the certification program. So okay. that's for the person who knows they want. So that's to like completely coach. separate from all the other stuff is there's a certification program. Exactly. Got it. That's, that's one track of my business. And that's for the coach that wants the certification. Um, and that's really mostly focused on coaching skills. Mm -hmm. So how to become a really powerful coach. Um, okay. The Coach with Clarity membership is a different track. Um, that's more continuing education. And it's more of a hybrid approach where we talk about skill building, but also business building. Mm -hmm. Because many coaches mm. start their own coaching practices. Some are internal coaches for, for other organizations, but most of them are doing their own thing. Yep. And so then we talk about, all right, so what what foundations do you need in place mm -hmm. to have a really successful thriving coaching practice? Mm. So that's what we do within the membership as well. Um, I have a high level mastermind where we take that even deeper. And then occasionally I'll work with clients individually on their businesses and like really get in there and provide some one-on-one -on -one yep. targeted support. Interesting. Yes. I mean, I guess, you know, wherever they're at, there's probably a point or a way that you can help them. And sometimes it's wherever they're at as in, um, where they actually are in their business or perhaps even their budget too. You know, yes. I mean, I imagine all of these different things have varying levels of investment. And so there's sort of like a way that you can help them out almost kind of like wherever they are. Yes, Absolutely. Kind of my point. One of the things I teach is the importance of having a spectrum of services so mm -hmm. that no matter where what you're teaching them is, to have is what you're saying. Exactly. Right, right, but right. I have it myself. It's a spectrum of services. So no matter where a person is in their own journey, whatever their budget is, there's a way for them to engage with me. Mm -hmm. And I include my free content on that spectrum of services. Mm -hmm. So I have a podcast, mm -hmm. I've got a Facebook group, I've got some email opt-ins. They're free, but they're still services. There's still ways that I contribute and try to help someone. Right, sure. And then maybe we're looking at a $10 book. Maybe we're looking at a $37 offer. Then maybe we move to the membership, then the certification, then one-on-one. -on -one. So you mm -hmm. can really kind of run the gamut with the price of your offers and also the involvement that you have in that person's business or life or relationship. Right. And so having that spectrum, I think, is is really helpful. Mm. Yeah, I used to, you know, so when I first started my business, uh, like three years ago, it was it was basically just like web design, pretty much. It was like web design, I did some photography also, um, but I mean, the it's amazing the photography and video side of things have it's like really transformed. Although, I mean, I do a fair amount of web design, so I think we have, uh, I think we have like five web projects right now. So it's actually probably more than. It's that's more than the usual. Um, part of without going to tangents, part of whatever my profile thing is, I'm very much a yes man, and so I don't know how to just say no. I can't help you, but I, it's almost like I think you know what's funny about that. I, I'm going to go off on a really small tangent here. I think people think because someone's a yes man, it's like a bad trait, and it's almost like it's not a bad trait. It's just that you need to know how to control it and throttle it a little bit. But the inner 
part of that being a yes man is I just want to help people. Yeah. Like I don't want to, when someone's just like, oh, I need a website. And even though like I cannot take on another project right now. So the, 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 the transforming that is, yes, I can help you, but I need you to wait two weeks at least. I, I yes. need you to wait two weeks before I can really, if, 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 you, if it's urgent and you can't respect my time, then if you want to find someone else, then I get it. But yes, I want to help you, but I need to do it in this manner. Yeah. But the taking on all those projects is just because, I mean, yeah, I don't want to not help someone. You know, they, yes. they've come to me because of a referral or in some cases a repeat business and they're just, they just need more help, you know? And yeah. so, um, I guess I was just kind of touching on that. So it's almost just like just reframing a lot of, and I'm sure you probably do that a lot. It's like reframing people's mindsets with that. Yeah. Um, cause I used to think it was such a negative quality of mine. It's just like, I just say yes to everything. Sometimes I do say yes without really thinking about it, though. I guess that that's that's where the problem is. Yeah. The problem isn't the desire to say yes. Well, and one of the things that I talk about, too, um, is are you saying yes to the things that align with your values and to the things that light mm. you up? Um, and and I, I, a couple of years ago, I wrote a book called Act on Your Business, and that's one of the main pillars of that book. Was this the one I took a picture with you of? Yes, it yeah, is. Yeah, okay. Um, and we talk about getting really clear on what matters most to you and how can you ensure that your actions and decisions are in alignment with that. Mm -hmm. So if you're saying yes to things that are value-aligned and light you up, right. we do need to be mindful of the time and energy expenditure. Right. But you're probably going to be more satisfied mm -hmm. than saying yes to things that aren't in alignment with your values. That's so exactly that's correct. That's another piece too. That's exactly, yeah. And, and the whole actually beginning of that was, you know, where the business is starting, where it's growing. I mean, I think sometimes I, I think it's almost like a little weird, but I think just like every business has to grow. And the fact that I've added on a whole bunch of other services, I don't think it's a bad problem. It's just, it's just kind of how you grow. I can't do web design for the rest of my life. Right. It's, it's so much of a commodity now. I mean, I'm not needed. Yeah. I, actually... I think that's actually one of the things that almost every single person in every service-based industry needs to understand. Like even coaches for that matter. Like you don't need a coach. Like there's there's probably ways you can get like AI coaching or something. You know what I mean? Like my point is like everything we buy today is a commodity. Everything. My web design business, my video business, despite that I have $30,000 in, in video equipment, you know, in the room. Probably shouldn't say that out loud. And now it's like, I really got to turn my alarm on. <laughs> and a security system. And, the, and a security system. <laughs> so there's a security system here. Um, but the fact that, I mean, like, none of that stuff matters. You know? Like, yes, it's way better than doing with your phone. I mean, we could show side by side. It's way better than doing your phone. But for some people, that doesn't matter, you know? For others, it does. Yes. For others, people want a quality, you know? But my point was, um, as I've gone through things, I've definitely been trying to get more selective with who I work with. Mm -hmm. So part of that yes thing was, you know, I, I kind of have a, I do have a bit of a barrier now to get in for any one of these services, yeah. you, you know, and I would constantly spend time on trying to find ways of like, oh, well, maybe I can figure a way how to make this video for like this price point and below. And it's like I could, but then I found, and I was doing it and I found myself, I'm like, I'm actually, I'm always I'm actually spending about 80% of the amount of time as if I would do it for like double the amount of money. And so it just, it was kind of like the whole, like, you know, taking the lettuce off the burger and selling it for half the price. Like that doesn't make any sense. Cause you're, 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 you're losing all the profit there. And so then I just had to kind of draw a line. I was just like, you know what, this is just where I start. Yep. If you don't meet that, then now I have several different consulting, coaching, whatever you want to call it here. But I have different ways now to, to basically just help people do their own stuff. Mm -hmm. And then if they don't want to do their own stuff, then it's just like either like you need to be realistic then at, at this yes. point. You either need to spend money 
and have someone do it for you. Or if you don't want to spend the money, then you need to figure out how to do it on your own. And then I'll teach you how to do that on your own. And if you can't figure those two things out, then... I'm dealing with someone that I cannot understand logically. So, yeah. <laughs> so I, I we're think, just out. <laughs> I, I think that's such a helpful way to think about it. When you're thinking about scaling your business and adding different services, we have supporting people in DIY. So they're doing it themselves, but you're kind of providing right. some info. We've got done with you. We've got done for you. That's exactly it. And that's also the perspective I kind of take when I'm looking at my own spectrum of services. Mm-hmm. You know, the podcast is kind of a DIY. You're listening, you're getting some tools, but at the end of the day, you're going to be the one moving it forward done with you is more the membership and the certification and then the done for you is more the one-on-one coaching Mm -hmm. and so you can really think about where people fall Mm -hmm. um in terms of what they need what they want what they can afford and and then you go from there it's it's so funny i've used those exact same um uh uh acronyms i mean exactly because i think it's also really easy for people to understand especially when you see like hgtv shows you know sometimes it's Chip and Joe doing all the work and yes. they're paying them 70 grand to yeah. do that work, you know? <laughs> yes. In other cases, it's like the homeowner doing some of it with the contractor, right? Like that's how that show is structured, right? And that's that do it with me, right? Yes. And then in other cases, it's like, here's like a DIY project gone bad, yeah. right? So you, you see all those three different, those are three different types of shows that are available all in the home renovation space, you mm-hmm. know? And so that I think that just I don't know at some point I think a lot of us have just transitioned those terms into whatever service we provide, but that's definitely you know the the the, the way I approach it is like DIY we call it diffum it's like do it do it for me I think is yes. what it is yeah. you know or the do it with me kind of thing and and I'm happy all three of those ways yeah. as long as there's an appropriate amount of time that's being spent on any one of those it's just what I found myself getting into a lot of was. A DIY, but I'm really doing it with them yes. and not charging them because yes. I'm just being helpful. And then I'm like, oh, I just spent like an hour with them on the phone. Yes. It's like, how'd that happen? You know, so now it's like, if, if you want to spend some time with me, it's like, here's a consultation. Exactly. Th- that this is how this works now. And that's good. So to draw some boundaries that that's important. Mm-hmm. And I think also, and, and you're, you're a really great example of this is making sure that there is a common thread that links all of the types of services you're providing, because that is a mistake that I see some coaches make and, and some other service provider providers. It's like, Oh, I could do this or I could do that. And it's, they're, they're not related. And that gets right. really confusing right. for your consumers. Right. So just ensure that you've got a common thread that mm. links what you're doing so that People can understand who you are, what you stand for, yep. the service you provide, and where they belong yep. in your spectrum of services. And you know what's funny about that? Uh, just to give another, like, per, like I personalize, like, all the illustrations because I'm kind of like, I get that. Um, part of me not doing weddings and doing family things for a while because I'm like, that just does not align with the Bear City Impact work that yeah. I do. It's, like, very commercial driven. Everything yeah. you go on the website says nothing about, you know, taking pictures of families. But I'd get a lot of requests for it because people are kind of like, oh, he does video. So he must be able to like make a video of my wedding. And it, it is true. But I struggled with the how do I say yes to this? Do I want to say yes to this? Yeah. How do I say yes to this without making causing extra anxiety? And so, uh, you know, when I worked with Tia uh, last year, which, by the way, uh, happy, happy anniversary, anniversary, right? It's a happy anniversary plus three days. Yes. Um, uh, so when I agreed to do it with her, I was like, you know what? Like, let's just go ahead and let's just, let's just do it. You know, she was like the first one I did it with. Um, and she, she and Brandon just seemed cool enough where they're just, cause I basically forwarded them. I was like, listen, I've never done a wedding before. I stay away from them. 
I fear what's going to happen with brides and their families. I don't deal with emotional people well. Yeah. Like, I just look at people that I get emotional. I'm just kind of like, like, what is going on? This is crazy town. And so I said, she was like, no, we're really cool. We're really back. We like to have fun. This basically is more of like a party with our friends. It is a wedding. So I was like, all right, cool. Let's, let's do this. And it worked out like awesome, yeah. you know? I said, all right, well, how can I? Because inevitably now people are going to see that and kind of go, well, who did this? How does that happen? How can I get it done for me? And so what I did is I just set up a little page called Family First Memories. And that was just my way of just being very quiet about it. And I really haven't promoted it. And I think I've now, I think I've done some of it. I did hers. I did the Huffman's, uh, Elian David. And then I just did the Costco. So that's, I think I've done now four weddings now mm-hmm. based on the last 12 months. Which is interesting because one of the barriers that I put on this was I said I will only do six per year. Mm-hmm. In a rolling 12 months, I will only do six. Yeah. Because I only want to do it at like full throttle. Right. You've set up this beautiful boutique brand within your larger brand. And mm -hmm. you have very clear boundaries around that. Like there's a velvet rope Mm -hmm. to that business and not everyone's getting Mm -hmm. behind the rope. I think that's beautiful. That's exactly. And a couple of these weddings, I have done it where they were a little smaller scale. And I was kind of like, you know, it's almost like me starting a new business. And I kind of just need to just you know, get more work out there and stuff before I can do other stuff. But at basically at this point now, it's just when I get inquiries from people, it's just, this is how I'm doing it full throttle. This is the investment. And it's just, if that doesn't work for you, it's just, there are other videographers out there, but they're not going to do it at the, like the, the insane level that I'm doing it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. And so, and then I do like a couple of things. Like I just did a maternity session. It was actually for a neighbor and friend um, that lives near me, but that is part of like a service that I provide. But those are more like I could do a couple of those because we did that in like 45 minutes. We banged out like 20 photos. It was awesome. It, they came out awesome. Um, but as far as like the wedding thing goes, like I, it was also promised to my wife though too because it's, you know, they're typically on a Saturday. Yep. And so that's, you know, even though I'm there showing up from like 1 to 10, it's more like I'm getting ready at 10 o'clock in the morning. Right, I'm that's leaving. Your whole I got to pack. Yeah, it's the whole yeah. day, you know. And then there's, you know, 10 hours of editing after. And so it's, it's a major commitment. So, the commitment to my family is I will only do six of these mm-hmm. in a year. I can't make this a full time, you know, I can't make this another six figure business because otherwise it's going to be every weekend, right. you know, I'm unavailable, right. you know, and then you've blown through your boundaries, blown through the boundaries. And that's, that's exactly probably it. out of alignment with your values of connecting with your family right. and being, so it's all about how does this decision connect with my values? That's exactly. Yeah. And so I guess I was just relating that to, you know, to the other coaches kind of like, Oh, I could do this. It's like, you could, but how does it really fit into your business? Exactly. You know, you either got to make it a side business, you know, shift from the current business you're in and just kind of do this thing you're excited about now. And that's okay too. You know, that's probably a lot of it's like, hey, if you're really hot on this thing, go ahead and do that. But then you got to put that other thing on pause or put that in the back yes. burner too then, you know. That's it's okay to point. do that other thing. That's a great point because we grow, we evolve as human beings. Like that's what we're designed to do. Mm-hmm. We're going to go through phases where our attention, our desires are more centered around this and then maybe we'll come back here. But there's got to be a give and take. We can't do all the things all the time. Right. I used to be super hot on tea. Like I used to like, I used to go nuts with like premium tea at like, you know, getting this like $15 an ounce, you know, imperial green tea stuff. Yeah, like I was yeah. super into it. And I was like, but one of the things that attracted me because I'm frugal was like, oh, you can reuse it like two or three times mm-hmm. in a day. I was like, oh, that's like, yeah, game on. Like I got longevity with this now, you know? But then I was like, I kind of don't like drinking tea. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm, I'm good. 
But I just think, yeah, you just you kind of evolve, and there's sort of things like you get hot with, things you don't get hot with anymore, and so it's you can put things. On, it's okay to put things on a back burner, I guess. Yeah. Is like give yourself permission, right? Yes. That's like a common buzzword. Give yourself permission to put put your business on a back burner and explore this other thing. Like technically, I could do that with Pearson Impact if I really wanted to do 15 weddings a year and make that my business i could i don't want to yeah. but i could but i would definitely have to do this like part-time then like this would have to be a i'd have to kick a lot of clients to the curb which i wouldn't do but th- that's what would have to happen yeah you know anyway whew, wow that's a mouthful yeah we talked are about we gonna have everything. her pull a card from the pod deck Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Always do that. I get to pull a card, so mm-hmm. let's do it before we forget. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Have, have I told you about? I've, now I'm almost certain I've sent you this guy's. I think uh, you have. Thing. Yeah, I... you got to get these okay. for your podcast. Okay. It's mostly for in. Well, um, this is just a shout out to Travis at Poddex. I mean, I I got these decks probably about two years ago when he first started his his uh card business. Um, now he has an app, which is kind of cool. So you actually don't have to even get this. You can just download the Poddex app, and it has um episode um ideas so for instance if you kind of run out of an episode or your guest cancels your last minute you got just like an episode deck you can just pull one out and it'll be like a a question prompt to just do an episode the one that i got also is the interview deck it's kind of just you know open-ended questions but he has other ones that are like sports related um questions just all sorts of stuff to get conversations happening very cool. From the app, though. Without, I like the physical deck, though. Yes. Because what I like doing is I like having you pick a card. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Any card. And let me kind of pull that out. And so you can read it, and then we'll both answer the question. Oh, goodness. Who'd play you in a movie? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I definitely think Ryan Reynolds would play me in a movie, which is pretty audacious to say because he's like, he's, I'm a little, I'm like a little comedic but a little crazy and most of the comedy comes out of my crazy, you know, it's not, I don't have like, I don't always have a good one liner kind of punch joke. It's usually just like, it's often the delivery more than the content of the joke itself. Yes. And that's how Ryan Reynolds is. Sometimes what he's saying is funny, but it's usually just like the way he's like saying it or the way he's delivering it, the timing of all that stuff. And so that's, that would probably that would probably be the person I would say I guess. Yes. All right. Oh, I, this is such a wonderful question. I'm really thinking about it. Mm. Who would play me in a movie? Um, I think, you know, who's coming up for me? This is kind of random. Um, the actress Linda Cardellini. So. Ooh, I I know that. Who's she? Okay. In? So most recently she's been in. Um, I think it's a. Uh, what is it? Dead to Me. She okay. If you ever watch Freaks and Geeks, did you watch Freaks and Geeks? Oh God, that show was. I so know good. the name though. It's either um, that or I'm from Rhode Island. Everyone names like Cardellini, you know. So. <laughs> she was also in ER for a while. She was in Legally Blonde. She's one of those actresses you're gonna see her and you're gonna be like, oh, her. And the reason I chose familiar her, face, but where? Okay, I know this is like a super deep cut, but I just I feel like she is someone who is. Did this... she play on uh, the Scooby Doo thing? Yes. Oh, yes. I, I know her from. <laughs> yes. I know her from Mad Men. Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. She was on Mad Men. She was. Okay. A, yes. That's who I would want to play me because I feel like she is a character actor, 
and she knows how to play some depth, but also has some quirkiness about her at the mm-hmm. same time. Sure. And that's how well, I she played Val from Scooby Doo. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and that's like it's like I want someone who you know can be fun and mm-hmm. and kind of quirky, but also gets to like the deep stuff because uh-huh. that's sure. very much what sure. I'm about. It's not all just about like oh you know. <laughs> yes. Right. Right. So random, I know, but she was the first person. She's more ginger than Marianne. Yeah. Right, right, or no, the the more Marianne than Ginger. Marianne was the the, she might the be farm the one, perfect right? intersection. Maybe the perfect. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, she's yes, right. She's she's kind of a blend of the two of them. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, yeah. oh, do, do you listen to um? Uh, do you have XM Radio by chance? I do. I do. I don't. I'm so into podcasts. Oh, I listen okay. almost primarily to podcasts now, but yep. I do have XM Radio. Um, I like uh, the only channel I really listen to is uh, XM the Highway 56. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all like newer country music. Um, Stormy Warren's hilarious though, and uh, so one of the things he had like on the first day of fall, he was talking about the difference between fall versus autumn, and how, you know some people use the word autumn, some people use the word yes. fall, and so he was like fall, and he had all these description descriptions like fall is and autumn is this, you know, and so he had people call in of what their own definitions were, oh and one God. of them was like fall is uh marianne and autumn is ginger you know it's like just uh, or it's like fall is duncan and autumn is starbucks so autumn thing, is know? bougie basically yes, autumn yes, is like yes. the bougie all right that's correct yeah, yeah. i liked uh, what one person had called in and said um fall uh no autumn is no they, they said fall is fancy and autumn is fancy like <laughs> <laughs> Or or the backwards, whatever it was, but they had to play on the Walker Hazelog. I thought it was hilarious. That's really funny. Yeah, so just 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 like those like the little fun things. I mean, it's like the ten minutes I get to listen on my way in. Yeah. So I'd be a much better podcast listener if I had a long commute, you know. But it just I actually don't listen to podcasts as much as I do anymore because it's highly distracting for me. Like I used to listen to it like in the background here, mm-hmm. but then I want to be paying attention to it, and then it's just it's distracting me. Yeah. So I can't find a way to listen to it. And just get other task work done. I just and there's the only other time I can really listen to it is like in my workshop. Like in my workshop, I'll I'll throw a podcast on because then it's just mindlessly. Like yes. if I'm doing mindless work, I can listen. I was gonna to say it. focused work. I don't listen to podcasts. Yeah. Okay. Getting ready in the morning, like mm-hmm. uh, driving oh. in the car, uh, unloading the dishwasher, laundry, like that kind of stuff. I'm listening to podcasts. Yep. Speaking of podcasts, so how's your podcast doing, by it's the way? It's doing really well, yep, actually. Good. So we just uh, published 81, 82 episodes. Great. Um, yeah, and you're weekly. Growing. I am weekly. Yep. Yeah, so it's the Coach with Clarity podcast. Yep. And do you find um, – and who's who's hosting yours? Uh, Libsyn. Libsyn. Oh, okay. Yes. Got it. All right. So you're going with like one of the uh, – I don't know if that's the more popular one, but that's like it's definitely the more popular of the paid ones. Yeah, that was usually Anchor for a while, which mm-hmm. I thought was great because it's free. I actually just switched it to Sounder FM, um, okay. which is free, but I did pay for the. Um, I actually only paid for it because I thought there was a couple of, like neat features that I didn't end up using. One of them is it creates audiograms for you, but I don't think they were like really good, and so I probably won't end up using that feature anymore. But anyway. Um, it was actually really interesting transferring your. It actually wasn't as hard as I, I thought it was going to be, yeah. um, but Lipson I assume gives you statistics on the different places they're at. They yeah. do. do. Do you find that iTunes is definitely like the the predominant one where people are listening to it? I on? I do Apple Podcasts for sure, and Spotify is growing. Spotify is okay. getting a lot bigger. Yeah, that was actually one of the interesting thing, things with anchors that they're owned by Spotify. Mm-hmm. That was probably it's just like one of those like silly fears that really just don't need to be anxious over but i was kind of like i don't know they're by spotify i just feel like one day 
they're going to do something with your, hold it hostage or something. That's the nice thing about being with something like Libsyn or mm-hmm. Blueberry or all those. Or Sounder like, FM now. Yes. So I'm like, I just you feel like I'm paying content. them. So I feel like I just, I got a little more control over it. Well, when something is free, you have to ask. That's right. Like, how are they making their money? That's and like, right. ultimately That's exactly you it. become the, mm-hmm. the source. But That's exactly it. So. Yeah. Actually, tomorrow I am heading to the She Podcasts live conference. Oh. And I'm going to be speaking there on Friday. So I'm so it's like it's like it's that. a female driven kind of conference it is. then. It yep. is. I went to Podcast Movement a couple months ago, which is more general. It was terrific. But yep. She Podcasts is for um, female podcasts. And where is that being held at? Uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. Oh, okay. Interesting. So, yeah. And yeah. what's the conference called? She Podcasts Live. Okay. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I got to find, um, there's all these conferences like available. I need to find, I haven't gone to a conference since I left the, the newspaper. There'd be all these like conferences we'd get invited to. And we, yeah. it's funny. I remember telling somebody like, you went to like a newspaper conference. I'm like, yeah, that's like a conference, like every industry. Yes, like, there is. No matter what you're in, there's a conference for that thing. It's you true. Know? It's like, if they got Comic-Con, they could have a conference for like <laughs> newspapers. Like I shouldn't minimize Comic-Con, but, um, but anyways, yeah. So I haven't done that now in like the last three years or so, but I've been dying to like go to some sort of conference to be educated, to network and just kind of just get outside these. Well, there's probably like eight. It's like like a very odd layout here, but yeah, get outside this, this box here and get outside the stuff that I just keep doing every week. Um, I gotta like find like a way to like, just look for wherever there's like, and just, because all of a sudden I'll find out about one. I'm like, oh, that would have been fun to go to. And then it's like, oh, that it was like in Raleigh or something. It wasn't even that far, you know? Um, anyway, so what's next, uh, for you, I guess, I mean, you're, you're really excited about your podcast. I mean, I know that you're, um, it's, it's obviously growing, your business is growing. So what's kind of like, what's like coming from the horizon? Like, a speaking of the highway, you know, nod it's yes. like you're on the horizon music. You know, I know that the tendency is to want to like go bigger and do more mm-hmm. and scale. But I have to tell you over the last couple of months, I've had the opposite it's not that I want to get smaller, but it's like, I really like what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So how can I invest mm. in what I'm already doing? Mm-hmm. So actually, um, I'd never done this before, but I closed registration for my membership in September. Because you used to just be open all the time. You can join up. anytime. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And now I, I closed it. There's a wait list because I want to spend the next three months at least really diving into supporting my current members, hmm. um, revitalizing some of the tools that have been in there for a few years. I'll, I'll launch it again at the, at the start of 2022, yep. but I'm really taking the next few months to just shore up what I already have hmm. so that when I share it with the world, I feel 100% confident that hmm. you're getting the very best of me. Hmm. I think that's actually what I saw then when I noticed there was like a change in business. Yes. It was, it was the closing up of the yes. free for all join whatever you want. Kind exactly. Of thing. Got it. I mean, it still exists, but right. it's just not always open enrollment anymore. Right. Right. Interesting. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, hey, I think that just about does it here. Uh, I think we're good for our 50th episode. Woo-hoo! So, I mean, yeah, I think uh, I think 50 is like a good milestone for when you get I to a podcast. So yeah. what, what, what did you do for your 50th? What was the topic? Was it a guest or was it by oh, you? Oh, gosh, I don't even, I'd have to look it up. Oh. Um, How often do you do a guest versus just a topic you're talking about? Roughly, give or take, every other time. So I'll do a solo episode and then an interview and then a solo episode and then a coaching call where I actually coach someone live Mm, on on the show. Um, Sometimes I'll do more series where it's a bunch of solo episodes, but I like to keep it interesting. There's a guy, Jonathan Stark, that would would do that. Um, He's just – he's like a consultant for software engineers, but he – generally is just like one of the smartest people that I've that I've ever listened to um so he just tends to like ends up talking about like all just like other business topics 
Um, his podcast is like every couple of days, like short five minute bits or 10 minute bits. Um, but then like once every couple of weeks, he'll do one of his hour long like consulting form. calls, yeah. um, with someone I'm like, cause he's basically breaking down their business of like whatever problem they came with. And then he breaks it down and then just like, I'm like, Oh my God, that is just so like, that just makes so much sense, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I really like those I, cause it's, it's so, cause even this like interview here, like there's like a lot of prompts and we're trying to like not like dig things out, but you know, you do have to kind of draw things out a little mm-hmm. bit in an interview thing where consulting thing, like this is just, there's no prompts. Like I'm, we're fixing something right now. Like yeah. this is, you, you're watching the mechanic in action. Exactly. It's, it's like a slice of life. You're yes. seeing how I work with my clients. For this real. Is, this is what yeah. it's like. And it's fun. <laughs> Those are some of my most fun. Yeah. I'll have to episodes. go and listen to those. Now Cause I, I just, I haven't listened to like any podcast. I was really hot with Smart Lists for a little bit. Have you mm-hmm. listened to Smart yeah. Lists? I I, I got to go back to the backlog in there. I just kind of actually they had Ryan Reynolds on uh, a few weeks ago. That was hilarious. It actually was a lot different than I thought it was going. I thought he was just going to be like crazy. And he was actually really like he's like no he's like I really like Hugh Jack. He's like a really good friend. He's like he generally is like a good person. And so he's like a completely different side of like the crazy Ryan Reynolds. Um, but I'll have to go back and listen to your, your coaching call ones. Yeah, I think in fact, those, I think those the one that drops this week is a coaching call. Yeah, all right, perfect. So, and that, there you which go. is, when does it drop, by the way? Wednesdays? Mondays. Oh, Mondays. Okay, mm-hmm. Mondays. All right. All right, well, that is it. Oh, my goodness. I clearly, like, I feel like you've given me, like, the, the, the eye hook, like, 12 <laughs> times now. I'm so ready to announce the next guest. <laughs> I have it already. <laughs> oh, all right. Let, let's hear it. Let, Do we let, need let, a let, drum roll? Let's hear it. <laughs> well, who's, the, uh, who's the guy from the David Letterman show, like, the guy in the background or, or like, whatever... Or like you know, yes, I know who you're talking Coco about. has one, yes. you know, and yeah, yes. that, that's Claire. All right, Claire, who, who is it? All right. So next up on the podcast, um, October 27th, another Wednesday at 10 a.m., we'll have Michelle Lynn, owner of the Country Biscuits. Ooh, we're very excited. I better, we better get some donuts. I was about to say, <laughs> I'm really say. hoping that there's food involved with this one. No, that's wrong to say. They they are welcome to come without yes, bringing anything. But, but we really like you if you do. The last time I went, one of the waitresses <laughs> talked me into those new biscuit donut things. And, it was and then they have the donut holes. Do we have the donut holes from there? I am I have not, and I'm starving, so guess where I'm going. Have the donuts in general? Yes. Yeah. Thing. So they also have the donut holes, which are basically just like a, a biscuit ball, but yes. it's... Like it's the it's a munchkin. It's a biscuit munchkin. Yes, basically. please. Yes, please. I really like those because those you can just grab a couple of them. It satisfies your sweet tooth, but doesn't feel like the whole thing. It's just a couple of them. It's yeah. good. Love it. Yeah, moderation. Everything in moderation. Sure. Okay, we'll go. Yeah, including sure. moderation. Sure. Including moderation. Yeah, yeah. You got to moderate how much you moderate. Yes. Yeah. So, all right. That's about that. About does it. We'll see you in two weeks, or you can visit themorningimpact.com and you can see all the previous episodes, uh, including this one. You'll see that there today or tomorrow.